Climb aboard the struggle bus. You got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we're here to fix your lives. That said, we are two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. True. Hey, what's going on? You know, it's a gray day here in Brooklyn. Early in the morning. Early morning. Recording some struggle bus. Yeah. It's a good time. It is. And Catherine, where can people find us online? Oh, my goodness. What a great segue. (laughs) Okay. You can uh, find us at struggle bus uh, pod. Tweet at us there. That is the case. At struggle bus pod. Email us. Struggle bus podcast at gmail.com. Instagram.com slash the struggle bus pod. Use the hashtag struggle pod buds 420 to find a struggle buddy. Go on the website strugglebuspodcast.com. Tweet at Sally T. Tweet at me at SBK Heller. You can. Join the secret Facebook group by emailing us. Don't send a Facebook message. Uh, I won't get it, or I might like 10 weeks later. Um, email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com. Put in the subject line that you want to uh, join the Facebook group and give us the email that you log into Facebook with if you remember it. Some of you, it's your college email. And if it doesn't work, you will get a, a reply from me saying, Great, we just added you. If it doesn't work, let me know. Definitely let me know. It doesn't work half the time because. Facebook. Mm -hmm. So we find other ways. So we want you in. Don't worry about it. But if you have a question, and we're running low on questions, Mm -hmm. email us also at strugglebosspodcast at gmail.com separately. Mm -hmm. And in the subject line, say, hey, I have a question. And then we'll separate the two because sometimes they get lost. Indeed. Um, And the, uh, oh, become a member. Mm -hmm. Sally, do you want to talk about our membership perks and how to find it? I'd love to. Please become a member. I need this coffee. Hold on a second. (laughs) You can go to strugglebuspodcast.com to check out the memento you get for supporting us for as little as five dollars a month you get a little uh a fare card to ride the struggle bus it's good for a lifetime of rides you can keep it in your wallet or under your pillow or in your breast pocket whatever Mm. and you also get to listen to our monthly bonus episodes as well as an archive of all of our bonus episodes and to get on that you go on to as sally said uh strugglebuspodcast.com and click on the link and you can become a member for as little as five dollars a month on gumroad and you can download the episodes to listen to in a train station mm-hmm. or a place where there's no Wi-Fi. Uh, and that's why we chose Gumroad because it's cool. People can download it. Unless you have an Android 7, I think, or oh, less, wow. okay. then you might have a problem. But Sorry. talk to Gumroad about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, okay, cool. Well, what do you think about some uh, opening jibber jabber? I think it sounds great. First of all, Is Sally, you are, are. how are you doing? I'm, I'm okay. Okay. Yeah. It's been a, it's been a very busy time for all of us. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's real busy up here in the um, uh, struggle bus headquarters. It is. It's been busy at the struggle bus depot, as I put <laughs> as the return address on all of the That's fair right. cards I send. <laughs> um, and but you know we're we're getting through. I just had like a well I don't know. Did you take a the day off yesterday? I had a three day weekend. I mean, it sort of became a day off. Yes, okay. I did laundry and it was nice, and I did nice. some work. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'm feeling rested and also. It, Yet extremely tired, which I'll talk about shortly. Yeah, I, well, I want to hear your jibber jabber because okay. I'm mad. So yeah, reading this, I I thought I would just talk about a couple of recent interactions that I've had with strangers. Um, one is that this is actually like a week or two ago. I was walking to the gym. It was really early in the morning, and it's I usually go to the gym at an hour that there's not really that many people out, and. This guy walked by me. We, we were like walking towards each other mm. and he was staring at me like intently. That creeps me out. Yeah. And he was like, 
also like looking me up and down. Not it didn't feel like lascivious, but it felt like intrusive. It yeah, felt yeah. like I was like, you should not be looking at me like that. Casing the joint. Yeah, casing the <laughs> joint. Exactly. And um Is that a title? <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yes. And like part of me when I'm in these situations, part of me is like, okay, this could be like potentially scary. Just keep walking, like know your surroundings, like get ready to run. And then part of me is like, start a fight with him. <laughs> so we walked past each other and I turned around to look at him. And he had turned to keep looking at me. No. And I was like, what's the problem? And he was like, he looked really taken aback because I said it in a um, sort of confrontational way. Oh. And he was like, oh, you you look familiar. And okay. I, and I was like, oh. <laughs> and, like, and that's possible. Too. And it's yeah, possible. Yeah, yeah. And it, it seemed sincere. Like I, I like when he said that, I was like, oh, he was doing that thing where you're looking at someone you're trying to know, trying to figure out where you know them from. Yeah. And then I felt, I, I was like, I almost like killed this man or thought he was going to kill me. And actually, he just thought I was familiar in Watch some way. Watching be a big fan. And right now he's crying over his <laughs> yeah, life-size like, cutout of you that he brought to the live show that you signed that didn't <laughs> happen yet. He's crumpling up the fan letter he was writing into us and throwing it away. Um, and then, so I don't even know. Like, I guess, well, let me tell the other story. I want to hear this. Okay, so the other story is just that sometimes I go into the, quote unquote so-called women's bathroom and the women in there look at me funny like in that sometimes they do a double take where they're like why is there a boy in here or it's like a little bit more aggressive of a double take where it's like I don't want you in here right and then other times people if I ask where the bathroom is people take a second and they're like do I tell her where the women's room is or the men's room is? so they're, like they're like I, in my mind, I don't think I present and I, I think I present in a way that is like normatively like within the what we consider the boundaries of like normatively like quote unquote woman. Yeah, um, I understand that I'm like a tomboy, but it's always sort of surprising to me when people are like not sure yeah. Um, anyway. And also are perturbed by it. And are like perturbed. It matters. Right. Yeah. And and that's the thing is like when people accidentally, you know, point me towards the men's room or something, I, I it actually be it doesn't really bother me to be misgendered. It doesn't bother me personally. It bothers me on like a societal level that we can't understand like different gender expressions and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I was with my girlfriend and we were both we were in a place where there was a men's room on one side of the hall and a women's room on the other. Mm -hmm. And she was like walking towards the women's room and I was like, starting to go with her. And this like security guard like pointed no. me towards the men's room. No. Yeah. And I was like, no. Yeah. What'd you do? I, and I, I, well, it was one of those things where I didn't really realize what was happening in the moment. I was like, why is he telling me to go in there? And then I walked into the women's room and I was like, oh, he thought, like I'm a man. But like, was he trying to tell you where to go because he thought you were going the wrong place? Or was he actually concerned that you were going into the women's room? Like, could I, have been I, at one of those. I think both. Jesus. But he didn't go in to check in on you, right? No, no. Well, then what the fuck is the point of the security guard? I know. I know. Yeah, it was It was really weird. Like, Not that he should have, but like, why right, right, is right. he there? Yeah, the whole setup is, is weird. And this has been happening to me since I, I mean, kind of my whole life. Because I've, I, except for a couple... A little bit of time in high school, I've always had short hair. And and there's always um, 
it, when I was younger, it used to really embarrass me when people would think I was a boy. And then as I got older, I was like, I, I actually, it, it's, it's society that tells you that the most embarrassing, terrible, shameful thing that can possibly happen to you is that people, if you're a girl, people think you're a boy yeah. and, and vice versa. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and if that does happen to you and, and it does feel terrible and horrible, which for many people it, it genuinely does, like that, I think that's fine. Like I, I think it's fine to be enraged that the world isn't like picking up what you're putting down gender wise and that the world doesn't see you the way that you see yourself and the way that you are and the way that you feel. Yeah. For me, it's like not exactly that thing. It's more just like it's it's just more annoying that you know, there's like a man box and a woman box mm. and you have to clearly fit into one or the other in order to like exist. Did I tell you about the terrible, terrible woman at the restaurant when I brought my five-year-old nephew into mm -mm. the bathroom? I was on the Upper West Side. This is important. It's not, <laughs> but for those of you who are there, it's important. And I was at a restaurant mm -hmm. and there's a, a women's room on the left and a men's room on the right. And my five-year-old, you know, nephew needs to pee. So I was like, cool, let's go to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And I go to open the men's room, I think, because someone was in the women's room and who cares? And it, it was one stall each, so it doesn't even matter. And yeah. the hostess said, oh, either are fine because yeah. like, I wasn't sure. And I opened, I tried to open the men's room, but it was locked. And then somebody came out of the women's room. And then he said, oh, you know what? I don't need to pee. And I was like, oh, well, let's let this woman go ahead of us because someone was behind us. I was like, you would decide if you need to pee when she's in there and then we'll, we'll figure this out because you made me walk all the way to the bathroom. And then she turns around and goes, plus, this is the women's room. And I'm like, this is a fucking child. Oh, my God. She actually had the nerve to say that. So, uh. She sat her ass back down at the table next to us, and I proceeded to retell the entire story very loudly in this very nice uh, restaurant, and her and the person she was with were like, ugh. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I literally just pulled aside a child who was like, I don't know if I have to go to bed. I'm going, you yeah. know what? Let's let this person go first. Yeah. And she actually said, and it's the women's room. He's five, and also, fuck you. And, and what, 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 what logic there? And and the bathroom, it's like a single-use bathroom? It's a single-use bathroom. <laughs> Each of them are. And the restaurant staff was like, because I asked, oh, where should I take him and they were like ah, either like they I mean, don't care a five like a five-year-old a five-year-old should go into the men's room like i don't i was gonna i don't care but but i just mean like alone no, like never, like no. but you know what i mean like and like if if the the solution would be that you a woman take a little boy into the men's room like why is that not, why a, problem is that for not a problem for that like person the, either right the mm -hmm. whole thing is just like i mean people's like panic around who what gender people are and who's using what facilities is like outrageous, especially can we the, it's a single use bathroom. Yeah. And also uh, he was being a little like I love him, but he was like, I don't know if I have to go. And I was like, well, you know what? This person behind us needs to go. We're going to let them go ahead yeah. of us. And you decide. So I thought I was doing the right thing by like being like, you know what? No, if you're going to be like this in there, you're not going to pee. And instead of saying thank you, I let her go ahead of me. She said that I, I, I don't understand the logic. Yeah, I don't either. Anyway. She's, she sounds like a terrible person. But I'm really sorry that happened to you because that is like fucked up. And yes. I didn't realize how often it happens. Yeah, it's it's annoying. Um, And I think the thing that's annoying about it partially is that I don't know how to feel about it because partially like I, I, I am trying to be read as like not that feminine. Like I'm trying to be read as a tomboy. Like I... So in some ways, I'm like, thank you. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Because it's like you are in some ways picking up what I'm putting down. Um, but I think the thing that bothers me is that it is just a very 
like limited conversation that's like all about binaries and all about boundaries and all about putting people where you think they should be. Um, and and that has like plagued me my entire life, yeah. you know. Anyway, sorry. thank you. Uh, so there's a Starbucks in Midtown that I, I go to often because they mm-hmm. have a very nice upper floor and they have a bathroom with a code. Mm-hmm. And there's several stalls and it's it's gender nonconforming. They recently said all genders, which is very uh, confusing to the tourists because mm-hmm. they come in and they see a man and a woman. And they, they're like, what? And I understand that's different for them. But when I see a businessman and I'm going in, I'm like, no, there's two stalls. He's like, no, I'll wait. I'm like. Uh, are you going to poop? I don't care. Like, just you just come on in. Wait, Catherine, speaking of bathroom stuff, Uh-oh. that that uh, cafe that I talked about, Clever Blend. Yes, that um, they close. No, but check this out. Shit. They got in trouble because their bathroom sign um, was like a, a picture of a man. Like, you know, the, the bathroom stick figures. Mm-hmm. It was a bathroom stick figure guy looking over. A stall at a woman. What? In the bathroom. Why? Um, because they're terrible. But is that supposed to be funny? Yes. I don't think do so. You, you don't think it's hilarious? What? So a bunch of people called them out and were like, what? Like, why do you think it's funny to joke about like a peeping? Peeping Tom is like the worst phrase, but no, whatever. But, uh, but it is, it's not even funny. Yeah, yeah it, no, it's not funny. Okay. Clever Blend, are they called? Cl- clever Blend. Oh. Wait. Yeah, Clever Blend. Okay, I keep I'm getting gonna, it wrong. I, here's what I think who the owner is. The owner is some kid who just came into a lot of money and he, he has the right intentions and yet doesn't know life yet yeah, and one. opened up a cafe thinking he's the coolest thing since sliced bread. I, no, I'm actually, no, it's actually two like grown adults. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Jeez. Um, and so they got like a ton of pushback. Well, good. And, um, and, and then they were like, oh, well, I guess the PC police Stop doesn't it. want us to make just an innocent joke on no. our bathroom, whatever. Are they telling you that you're going to get peeped on? I don't. Yeah, so I was um oh, fuck them. I, I'm uh someone someone I don't know if it's someone who listens to the struggle bus or someone who just follows me on Twitter, but they alerted me to this because mm-hmm. they um I tweeted about how terrible Clever Blend is. So uh no one go to Clever Blend on Fifth Avenue in yeah. Parks of Brooklyn. Uh this is this, they like monsters. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go on their Facebook page at some point and just read their comments. Yeah, do do that. I feel bad for anyone who works there, by the way, and if they, you know, if it's a good place to work, I apologize. Um, service industry workers work very, very, very hard and it's a very difficult job. So sorry guys, but your coffee shop sucks. Yeah. All right. Terrible place. Yeah. So Catherine. Yes. Tell jibber jabber at me. All right. I I have so many feelings and emotions, basically, uh, feeling stuff. I am, I know I keep talking about the show that I'm in with the New York New Mm -hmm. Futurist, but it's my fourth week. And this weekend was the first weekend where we had one of the new, other new people come in who was my audition friend. I sat down next to her during callbacks and the other woman who was my initial callback buddy, we had to plan something ahead of time. Um, she got in as well and she joins this week. So it's three new people. And for all you Night Vale fans, Meg from Night Vale, Meg Bashwinger, who, uh, is on the show and also, uh, husband Joseph Bink is one of the writers. Mm -hmm. She's back in the show this week. I have been a fan of her work for years. I am like gonna be in awe of working with her on stage. I've never worked with her before. I'm thrilled. That's awesome. So this weekend, you know, They are not coming until this week, but last weekend, Rain, one of the women, came in, and we just had so much fun. There was something about having new energy in the room and really taking care Mm. of each other. I wasn't the new girl, and I had a lot of fun. So now I'm enjoying. um, Now I'm enjoying it a lot more. Nice. And um, yeah, but I I do a play about my dad, uh, and uh, it requires me to every night, depending on how I'm feeling, just say one line to how I feel if I were to see him at that moment Mm -hmm. uh, in the same chair, which is the last place I actually did see him in that theater. 
And it went from blind rage to um, the first two weekends. I was like, fuck you, you know, to I miss you, to I love you. Wow. To get your fucking feet off my fucking stage. <laughs> um, so it's been neat. My dad and I have been communicating in that theater, but he doesn't know it. <laughs> and it's brought up a lot of feelings, but um, in a good way. And um, I'm just awesome. sort of learning more about the form of the neo-futurists as performance art versus acting. Like, I'm not acting in mm-hmm. anything. I am being myself. I'm performing. Mm-hmm. And there's something really freeing about that. Um, it's a totally different skill set and I'm finally leaning into it. That's so cool. Yeah, I'm learning a lot more. So now I've gone from, I'm going to write a really deep and funny monologue with like not a lot of props and don't worry about me, no lights to like this week I'm pitching (sighs) fluorescent bubbles, three songs, a remix of Sting's The Russians, a glowing orb and an orgy. I swear to God, smoke machine, fluorescent lights. (laughs) So who knows if the play will get in, but now I'm like thinking outside the box because it really is performance art mostly what they're doing yeah yeah, yeah. that's so cool yeah one of the guys wrote um uh robert beautiful piece with balloons and music and it actually was about the manchester bombings but no one needs to know that but everyone's response to it was just love and happiness Uh, it was just we turned the theater into this gigantic joy box with this song and music and lights and balloons fell from the ceilings and that's so cool yeah that's awesome it sounds like it's a cool journey to be on both like emotionally and in terms of your craft yeah and i I just feel that every every weekend is different i mean shows different i have five plays in it now but um really solid lineup of funny and really touching and beautiful visually stunning exciting so that's awesome that's it so i'm feeling a lot of feelings and i'm really having fun love it yeah all Um, right a thing we did for self-care well do you want to go first or shall I? Oh, yeah, I'll go. I, uh, I've i been sleeping a lot. Um, <laughs> like, no other way to say it. Like a lot. Um, I, I had a couple of days of not good sleep. And so then I was like really tired and I slept a lot to make up for it. Um, but following, but then I just like kept sleeping a lot. So <laughs> yesterday I got a full night of sleep. I woke up. I did some errands, got a bunch of stuff done and then got back in bed at 10 in the morning and stayed in bed. Mm, I'm going to say, except for like an hour when I came out to the couch (laughs) to Mm -hmm. read, I stayed in bed the whole day. Do you cocoon? Do you put the covers over your head? I don't cocoon. I do. But I I was like, I was like watching Netflix. I was like watching movies and stuff like all day. And I just... um, and and I was still so tired. And like this morning I woke up and I was like, man, I could spend a whole nother day in bed. I, my, my, uh, my, there's, there's like some hibernation happening because I... I definitely can't physically be this tired. So I think there's like some um, emotional fatigue happening too. And that's fine. So I'm just going to sleep. It wouldn't be a week on the struggle bus if one of us hadn't said, (laughs) I slept for like (laughs) 27,000 hours. No, I I definitely slept in too. I slept until 1 p.m. on Sunday. But I was up till 3 because on Saturday nights we stay late and do cuts and have to bring in the new person and uh, find out what we need to write. So by the time I was in bed by like 3.30 or 4 Uh, I woke up at six to pee and get a snack because that's my thing. Mm -hmm. But I let myself fall back asleep for several hours. So nice. And it was fucking incredible. That's Um, so nice. But for me, so last week, I I have therapy on Tuesdays usually. And I had a really last minute busy day. I got a last minute audition, which is, you know, great. But I was, I even emailed you. I was like, the episode might be late, like blah, blah, blah. Um, And I was so freaked out that I was going to be late for therapy and I turned to my boyfriend and I was like is it okay to reschedule like because she actually doesn't mind doing rescheduling mm-hmm. last minute yeah. which is totally fine most don't which is understandable and um, he's like will this make you feel better if you reschedule to tomorrow because I felt like I really needed it at that mm-hmm. moment and I was like yes 
And he's like, well, then reschedule it. And I was like, oh. And it was the best decision I ever <laughs> oh, made. Great. I got to like finish getting ready and I wrote another thing and kissed my boyfriend and was able to leisurely go to my next activity. That's cool. And it was good. That's a good awesome. choice. And I had a really good session the next day. That's like, that's great. Sometimes you need to reschedule so that you can actually get something out of the actual session. Yeah. And yeah. like, I, she, she always picks up when I call. I always have to get the answer machine. But like, so I was like, I really want to come in today, but I can't. She's like, it's okay. I was uh-huh. like, Aw. thanks. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, good call. Thank you. Scheduling therapy. Yeah. All right. So we got a lot of letters today. Let's get into uh, it. We're going to see how many we can do. Yeah. Um. So shall I read the first one? D- yeah. Go for it. All right. Cool. This person uh, wants to be called Dr. No. Um, Content note, brief mention of miscarriage. Um, Very important note. uh, I won't say how well I know this person, but I went to college with them. Um, So just, you know, full disclosure, I know this person. (laughs) Um, But I will be obviously giving advice as if I didn't because this is a very interesting letter. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I will read it uh, from Dr. No. Dear Kate and Sally, I am a mid-career academic and will be going up for tenure in the fall. Although, by most measures, I probably will be successful in my application for tenure, it is a huge undertaking and involves careful scrutiny of my career by my peers. This year, I had my first ever indication that there might be some dissent in the committee for my petition for tenure, with two out of 11 votes for non-renewal of my contract, mostly symbolic because their tenure decision will be the ultimate decision on my long-term career. This hurt particularly a lot because I had a devastating miscarriage at 11 weeks in the past year, and I feel like I've sacrificed a lot, maybe my fertility, I'm in my early 40s, for my career. I know going up for tenure will be stressful for me, but I'm confident that I can be successful with a lot of self-care and self-awareness. The problem is that I spend a lot of my time and effort outside of work on my hobby and amateur sports league. While I really enjoy the athletic aspects of the sport and some of the teamwork aspects, the amount of work I do for the league is considerable and I've been struggling with some relationships I have within the leadership of the league, so much so that I have had a lot of insomnia recently and I'm very stressed out. I currently serve on the board of directors for the organization as the president, and the other directors are younger than I am. Three of them are around 25, who I, who I will call the irrational three, and one who is a bit older, early 30s. The three 25-year-olds are friends, two of whom consider themselves best friends. I have run into constant problems with trying to work with this board because of infighting, toxic leadership, disregard for league policies, and negative gossip. If I could sum up the issues, several of the young members of this board, I believe, started to gossip about me in the fall with regards to how I lead practices and how I have the quote-unquote wrong tone. I didn't know the extent of this except for certain outbursts in meetings or messaging wherein I would request that whoever had these problems come talk to me or talk to me with a league representative, which is a procedure outlined in our code of conduct policies. It is hard to fight against rumor alone, and I believe that discussing conflicts in person can help allow for mediation to occur. Before I could really get through that, one of the board members showed up to an early morning practice with alcohol on their breath. I confirmed with the only other board member at that practice who also got a whiff of the very strong smell and said it was unusual for anyone at practice to smell like that, and it took some time to figure out who it was. We have, in our code of conduct, no tolerance for intoxication and substance abuse while at practice because we participate in a full contact sport with inevitable injuries. So I called a board special meeting to address this issue, whether or not this was a policy violation, and also how this applies to, quote unquote, holding board members to a higher standard, and basically was shot down. 
I feel like the younger ones tried to shelter their friend from repercussions from her actions, got upset that I was even asking the question. My other board member backed down from taking a stand on this issue, and they seemed to make up this argument that this was just a hangover. I would argue that if someone has alcohol in their breath, it is in their bloodstream, and this is a policy violation, just like how people fail breathalyzers during their morning commute. Then the meeting changed, and I was attacked. I was called a tyrant for my behavior at practice, which I guess relates to how I've been have the wrong tone when I try to teach drills or skills at practice and that people feel bad because, from what I've heard, I act like I know everything or that I'm better than everybody. And at the same meeting, it was decided it was decided that I couldn't lead any more drills at practice because of people's feelings. At that point, I basically got all cold and couldn't stop crying. My therapist said I probably had a panic attack. I was quite upset about being personally attacked in my own house, by the way, and after this meeting, I considered quitting the league entirely. Also, after the other board members who smelled the alcohol left the meeting, the others began to gossip about her and say she doesn't do her job. I reached out to other respected members of the league, whereby I said that the board was broken, it made the wrong decision, people can now show up to practice with alcohol on their breath, and also I'm a tyrant and have been removed from athletic training duties, and that it couldn't function going forward. Those individuals talked to each member of the board in a kind of mediation, but the board was never asked to get back together with them to resolve the issues. We we would work on board issues via email and finally started having meetings in public places in the past month because I would know... because I would no longer welcome them into my home, and a neutral public environment seems safe. The toxic environment seems to continue because the board member who I addressed the alcohol issue won't speak directly to me anymore and basically has a bad attitude at practice, defensive postures, eye-rolling, lack of positive leadership, and it is known that, quote, we don't get along because her interpretation was that I enforced policy as a personal attack on her. Um, We did cut some of this letter, by the way, but this is still getting the gist of it. At our last meeting, we discussed the next vote for the board, and I said that I do not want to be on the board, and I want to focus on my career because I am in for a stressful year. One of the irrational three said that she would run depending on who else is on the committee. Ugh, I roll my eyes. Again, a sign of wanting a leadership position for all the wrong reasons, in-group, out-group, mentality, power. The other rational person on the board is considering running, but will be moving farther away, and most of us think that the commute will be an issue. The irrational three got almost giddy about the turnover, and we talked about others who might step up to run. Here's where I got roped in again. Once members of the board started approaching others to be on the board, some people were approaching me, saying the other side of the board approached me too, and I guess people we wouldn't expect to be in on any loop were interpreting what is going on as me and the other person being pushed out. I wouldn't say this was entirely true, untrue. I do not think that this cabal is fit to lead, and I don't want to deal with it anymore. But what from I can what I but from what I can tell. Others do not want to be in the same situation that myself and the other athlete were, surrounded by people who struggle to make it logical, rational decisions, but resort to personal attacks. I said I would run if that would bring more people into the ballot for the board to dilute or break up the cabal. And I guess there is some effort being made to recruit rational, mature members. One of these people has approached me and told me not to run and to just focus on my career and try not to fix this thing and let them fail. That somehow she'd handle it. And now I'm stuck. 
Once I got roped in again, I felt the injustice and started to interpret the overarching theme of this toxic environment of a bunch of bullies getting their way. And they bullied me and they are getting away with it. I want there to be consequences for what happened, but I shouldn't be gossiping all over about the situation, but I still want to expose them for this bad behavior. I fear that walking away and letting whatever happened will result in more gossip about me or just general bad behavior. And I can see how firsthand how it reverberates to the general membership. At the same time, as I write all of this to you, I'm telling myself to get out. I just don't know how to let go. I can rationalize it, but I can't feel it. And I still fear that I'm going to be prone to outbursts or thinly veiled examples of bad behavior as I lead all the league meetings in a couple weeks. How do I go through this with integrity and forgiveness and compassion while also maintaining my faith in people and the organization? I still feel angry and hurt. I have been having insomnia ever since I agreed to run for the next year's board, which I guess is my body telling me that I'm fixating on something that can't be helped. And I have other bigger priorities that should be my focus at this time. Help. And yeah, I should make an appointment with my therapist. She has said in the past that they sound like bullies and like middle school crap and that I should let go and let others learn how to lead. Clearly, I already know how to lead. I'm probably just displacing all of my anxieties about my career onto this crap because, well, somehow it is easier because the stakes are lower. Yes, I'm laughing as I type this. Yours truly, Dr. No. Thank you, Dr. No, for that. Yeah, thank you, Dr. No. Um good very good detailed letter which Catherine mentioned we edited a little bit just for length but um yeah i think we got the gist yeah um so i guess like my first reaction is to say um you know i'm sorry that this is this sounds like a stressful situation and it also sounds like you're um really i don't know if trigger might not be the right word but like activated yeah. by what's going on um i think that like the dynamics you describe are things that like meet the like quote unquote reasonable person standard for a frustrating situation. Um, but I think what I'm picking up is like beyond frustration. It's actually like that you're pretty, like I said, activated. And that for me is always a clue that I, there's probably more going on for me than sort of the, like the mechanics of the situation or like the surface interpersonal interactions. So I think it's a great idea to talk to your therapist um, and to maybe try to figure out what could be going on here that is, um, is, is not just like frustrating, but is like stressing you out to the point where you're having like panic attacks and experiencing insomnia. Um, and I have more to say, but Catherine, yeah, no, all that too. Um, also, I don't know how often you go to your therapist because you mentioned therapy and then you said you should go talk to your therapist about this. Um, definitely if you can weekly, if you are able to is great. Um, but however much you can go is helpful if it's helpful to you. sounds like they have been very good for you. I completely agree with Sally because this is a crappy situation. And I think we've all had jobs or positions or schools or anything where we're in a group where it's just not working. I will say, though, that there might be something else going on in your life and this is your way of expressing it because other feelings you have are coming out in this. Because if you look at it on a surface level, it's not very well run. You have a history. Things are happening. You're not getting along with everyone. You don't want to leave, but you're very, very angry and hurt. And if you do leave, you're worried that people are going to talk about you and you will still be angry and hurt. I see this as kind of a gift because no matter what choice you make, this is a really good lead into 
what else are you feeling about your life? And you mentioned this at the top of the letter about some personal things. Mm-hmm. You didn't talk about your tenure as much and, and um, you know, the the miscarriage and things like that. Um, that that's huge. There are a lot that, I mean, going up for tenure and, and having all of these life changes are very, very big. And of course, um, if you're not used to it, it can be hard to really break it down. I am definitely really good at finding the tiniest thing, not saying that this is a tiny thing, but like overloading on that and then realizing I'm upset about something mm-hmm. else. That said, obviously, uh, my first thing with this toxic situation, there is no shame in leaving it. And I know it's easier said than done, but leave with grace and dignity. And who cares if they talk about mm-hmm. you? These people do not sound like people you want to be friends with anyway. Um, you, If you have real friends, and I, I do know you do, you will know that some people are going to get along with you and some people are not. And the ones who are not, why try? You know, why even bother? It's a waste of your time and energy. But going back to what Sally said, um, explore this in therapy because this is probably bringing up some issues. But this is not the only thing in your life that is stressful. And if your body is telling you something, I mean, is there a way you can take a sabbatical? Is there a way you can take a break? Um, Don't, you know, listen, if you're going to be worried about what they think about you, well, guess what? They're still going to be worried about you're still going to be worried what they think about you if you're in them. You know, whether you're in or out, if you're still worried, you're worried. So let's let's take care of you first Mm -hmm. and not worry because they sound to me like people I would not want to work with Mm -hmm. and I would not care. I mean, I would care. Sorry, but I would explore why I cared Mm -hmm. what they said about me. People who are not cool saying mean things about you two years behind your back. Why is that affecting you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. um, And you asked like how you can go through this with integrity and forgiveness and compassion. And I think... You know, one thing that when I'm in a situation where I feel like I'm being done to and like everything feels all wrong is I try to figure out what I'm contributing to the dynamic, which is not to say like that's not the same question as how did I bring this upon myself? Because I don't think that that's a thing. But Mm. I do think like what is my contribution to the situation I find myself in is a really, really good thing to ask yourself Um, because I think that it can help you have compassion for yourself and also for the other people. Even if the compassion is like this person is being a monster because they have something going on in their life and I'll just roll with that. Mm. I mean, I, I think that's compassion. I mean, I get, there are, are some people who are like true monsters who want to hurt other people. I don't think you have to have like a huge amount of compassion for them. <laughs> but, um, but I think like, like when you talk about like everything you described in the email about the way they're, behaving like you mentioned that they're like creating in groups and out groups and um that they're like making judgments about people and talking about people behind their back it's it's also all behavior that like you said that you're also participating in like you you are calling them the irrational three you're talking about them with other board members like and I understand that it feels like they're doing it to be mean and you're doing it to fix the board and I'm not trying to say that like you're doing the same thing they are but I'm just saying that it sounds like the situation on the board is like sufficiently toxic that like everyone is kind of behaving in um not great for the group dynamic ways um and like you know it's it's tough I think that like when people when you hear that people are like you know I don't like your tone or you're being a bully and I don't like the way you want run practice I I understand that if they don't communicate that in in what feels like a kind and generous way 
it can be tempting to blow off the critique and be like, they're just mean. But, you know, it's it, I, I'm wondering if like you've thought about the way you lead practice and if the way you behave on the board and actually if there is a way that not that you're doing something wrong per se, but that the organization has a culture and maybe you're not the way you, you are being is not a fit with the organization organizational culture, which is not to say that like you're right and they're wrong or you're wrong and they're right. But that is there like a mismatch? Mm. Um, I think, you know, I was thinking about the the um, situation with the player who was like hungover or, or drunk at practice. And you had this very like rational and almost like mechanical explanation of like, well, if there's blood and if there's alcohol in their bloodstream, they're technically drunk and that violates the rules. I mean, I can see like that another way of handling that situation would be to like talk to that person one on one and be like, hey, like I smell alcohol. Are you like, you know, that we have this rule, like what's going on? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have a zero tolerance. Like, I don't want to bring this up to the board, but like, please be aware that I'm going to have to do that if you don't blah, blah, blah. Like, and I'm not saying that that would have been the right thing to do and you did the wrong thing, but I'm saying the culture of the organization and the board might be closer to don't sanction people formally right away. Don't bring this up to the board right away. Talk to people one-on-one. -on -one. Let's chill out. Let's be a little bit more informal. Um, you know, let's, you know, maybe like you said that you already know how to lead and they don't and they want to lead for all the wrong reasons. It could be that like in this, the culture of this organization is that like wanting to lead means wanting to like be on a board with people you like and are friends with and have mm -hmm. this like informal recreational thing. And it's it's not to say that like, you are totally wrong in your approach, but it, it it could possibly be that where where you are in your life and the way you think organizations should function and the way boards should function and the way people should interact with each other in this kind of quasi-professional context is really different from the way the majority of the people in this group are behaving. Yeah. And so I think it's it's worth trying to ask yourself, like, am I a fit for this thing? Because it could be that like you you like it enough that you're like you know what, like maybe I shouldn't be on the board. Maybe I should just play in the league yeah. and that'll be fun. And that I think could also address your question of like, how do I get through this with like compassion? And I think you said integrity, but I don't know. Yeah. 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 And, and maybe that's part of it. Maybe part of it is like not having a role, a leadership role and not like worrying about, you know, having to like break up the cabal, which I don't necessarily think is your job. Or you talked about getting roped in to running again, but I don't really, that's like a passive construction. Like you chose to run again, you know? So I, I'm wondering if like, maybe this would be a better fit if you, if you basically had a different role. And, and if you think about that and you're like, I hate the way these people behave. I think they're irrational and I don't like the way they run this organization. It might just not be the organization for you. Yeah, that's you know? a great point though, actually, like you, you are going through the tenure stuff and, and your own life. Maybe it is time to take a step back and just play. Yeah. You know, if you really enjoy it so much and be like, well, I'm not in charge anymore. It's a very freeing feeling. Uh, I also wanted to say that the Irrational 3, I'm currently working on that movie right now. It sounds amazing. <laughs> It'll be directed by Quentin Tarantino. But um, I also wanted to say, how do I go through this with integrity and forgiveness and compassion um, while also maintaining my faith? It is totally fine to be angry. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I, and we've talked about this before. It's okay to be like, I'm pissed. Um, I don't know what your definition of integrity and forgiveness and compassion is, but I'm going to ask you to go ahead and take those words and put it towards yourself. Mm -hmm. I want you to go through this with giving yourself the integrity 
and forgiveness and compassion for you while you're going through the next year. I want you to take care of you because you clearly want this organization to work out and be a part of it. But you know what? Unfortunately, it's, as, as Sally said, its own big thing. There's different structures. There's different rules. There's different personalities. You don't have control of that. And guess what? That's kind of freeing. But mm-hmm. what you do have control of, Dr. No, is you and your health and your relationships and your next year. And holy shit, you're up for tenure. That's so exciting. Maybe it's okay to take a step back and just play. Mm-hmm. And if at the end of the day, the organization is just too extra, I have definitely been a part of things that were very poorly run and it was hard to leave. But when I did, I was like, uh, and then I started to love the thing again and I found mm-hmm. other ways to do it. Um, so there's no shame in that either. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to be angry. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Th- yeah. Embrace the anger. I think <laughs> one thing I would definitely do is watch the episode of Parks and Rec called right. Pawnee Rangers. Have you seen that episode? No. So <laughs> Pawnee Rangers is about basically... Um, Leslie Nope runs the Pawnee Goddesses, which is like a girls only like um, outdoors, you know, whatever recreational group that is a response to this um, boys only wilderness group called the Pawnee Rangers. Oh, my God. Amazing. And which Ron Swanson is in charge of. And (laughs) they go on their they both have their um, like weekends away and the same in the same like campground. But they're doing separate things. And Leslie Nope's is like really like fun with all these activities and like candy and like puppies and Ron Swanson's is very austere and it's very much about like survival in the wilderness and it's very serious because like that's his thing and the kids don't like it and they defect and they become the the boys become Pawnee goddesses because the Pawnee goddesses are so much more fun and Ron Swanson is like why don't these kids, why are they so frivolous? Like, why don't they want to learn this like serious stuff? Like this is hardcore outdoorsman survival stuff and he feels really bad. And then Leslie Nope puts a note in the newspaper advertising this new outdoors group that's like really hardcore, really serious, like uh, none of this like frivolous kid stuff fun, just like hardcore survival stuff. And these kids who are like really, really, really serious and into this like no frills, no fun survival stuff show up to be Swanson's. And it's like Ron Swanson learns that like he has a certain style oh. and like and it just it wasn't right for the Pawnee Rangers. But there are kids who want to do his thing, who do want to do this like austere, intense, serious thing. And so I'm wondering, Dr. No, if maybe there's a situation <laughs> where you're dealing with Pawnee Rangers who are like loosey goosey <laughs> and informal and like not really playing by like the rules mm-hmm. of like leadership and bored behavior and you want some Swansons like you want some people who are going to take it like a little bit more seriously like be a little bit more formal about how rules are enforced maybe like run practices a little bit more like seriously and intensely so maybe you just need to um either decide that the that the Pawnee Rangers and the Pawnee Goddesses are for you and you're going to be like loosey-goosey or Start your own thing and recruit some Swansons. Yeah, I was actually going to suggest Friday Night Lights because Coach Taylor has many different ways of dealing with each player. Yeah. But I mean, I have no specific example. I was just thinking like, oh, Friday Night Lights. Well, you, you could show watch up it anyway. at their house in the middle of the night and make them run sprints in the rain like oh. Coach Taylor. Right. Yeah, so do that. Let's see how that goes. Six in the morning. Yeah. Yeah, cool. 
So, okay, Dr. No, let us know how it goes. Thank you for that. That was a great letter. And thank great you. Great letter. For, and I will be in touch with you soon. Wink. <laughs> um, cool. Okay. All so, right. So then this next letter is from Phoenix. They chose their name. And just a content note that this is about suicide. Can I also add that it, it, there's some graphic descriptions of death? Yes. Is that okay? Of suicide. suicide. Yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I mean, okay. not, you know, within reason. Sorry. I think it's fine. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Hi, Kate and Sally. I started listening to you on the Lady Power Hour. Because of that, I've been on and off listening to the Struggle Bus for a few months now. Hearing you ladies jibber jabber and dissect issues brings a balm to my day. Hearing you advocate for mental health and intersectional feminism reminds me that there are awesome people in the world. Keep doing what you're doing and never be afraid to shamelessly plug yourselves. <laughs> Just a side note, I wasn't going to read that intro. And then they said, never be afraid to shamelessly plug yourselves. That's and I was it. like, I'm going to read it. Thank you. Okay. I'm writing in to give you praise. And also because I have a situation in my life that I would like to get your opinions slash feelings slash feedback on. This is long and I apologize for that but this problem is multifaceted and has far-reaching implications in every facet of my life. I think perhaps I should start with the framing of who I am. I am pagan and have several years of experience running a coven. I do a lot of community outreach to teach people that witches are not baby-eating mud-crusted mud encrusted monsters. Part of that community outreach is planning and hosting eight huge parties every year. Everyone of every background and identity are welcome. Beltane is the biggest one of the year. We light up two giant bonfires, run around naked for hours, have sex privately with mutually consenting people, play music, dance, and generally find spirituality through ecstaticism. I am also in a poly marriage. I'm hand fasted to my husband. My husband is also married to another woman that that woman is also hand fasted to another man. We have four adults, three relationships, two children, and one legally recognized marriage between all of us. We had a ceremony last year at Beltane to bind us all together as a family. My husband and I will, quote unquote, get married again every year to reassess if this situation is beneficial to ourselves and our family. My relationship is also something that I am open about. I find myself dispelling a lot of myths about poly relationships, that they're not all one giant orgy all the time, that they're not filled with conflict all the time, that it is, in fact, pretty mundane. But there is intense emotional labor involved with it, and it requires quite a bit of self-growth. With my poly marriage came two children. One is nine and the other is ten. I was proudly child-free for decades. Suddenly, becoming a parent was a huge adjustment. Over the past year, I've been discovering that I really do love the littles, and it's actually beneficial for me to be in their lives. I'm able to teach them about courage, self-reliance, strength, and determination. I'm so blessed that all the adults in our family are equally committed to teaching them about social justice, empathy, and kindness. They were an unexpected blessing that my life brought me. So there's the framing. Now to the problem. A couple weeks ago, we had our large Beltane celebration. Everything was lovely. My husband and I recommitted to each other. There were many blessings given out. The games were entertaining. The ritual was smooth. The music was good. And everything was generally perfect. Everyone had a great time. One of my friends, Rabbit, name changed to protect identity, has, has grown particularly attached to my stepchildren over the past year and spent a good chunk of the day and night playing with them. The next morning in the early dawn light, we found that Rabbit had died by suicide during the night. She was found in the early morning light, hanging from the tire swing rope. She was cut down, and we had to wait for hours till her body was removed. There were about 15 kids sleeping inside the house, and we kept them quarantined away till everything was done. My kids are devastated by this loss. 
They're also young enough that the concept of self-harm was not something they had been exposed to yet in their lives. Explaining to them why they couldn't play outside and what had happened was so very hard to do. That morning, sitting with my friends around the fire will be etched into my mind forever. Rabbit's body was covered by a blanket, but her foot stuck out the bottom a little. We tried to, one, accept what had happened, two, comfort each other, three, mourn our friend all while her body was laid out 100 feet away from us. I didn't know it takes five hours for a body to be removed. As far as anyone can tell, this was an impulse action. She didn't tell anyone about a plan, nor did she leave a note with any reasons. I'm slowly processing these things and trying to help my kids do the same. So what to do now? I have so many feelings. In regards to my kids, I'm mad at Rabbit for exposing them to this. Kids that she loved too. I'm so mad that she killed herself a few feet away from where there were people who love her. I'm so mad that she did this a few feet away from where I got married this year and last year. I'm so mad that she's created this sadness in all of us. I'm so mad that she did this at a religious event that is deeply important to so many people. I'm so mad because she stopped taking her medication because she, quote unquote, felt better and didn't need it anymore. And I know that right now my reactions are anger because this loss is big and has far-reaching implications that I can't deal with yet. The sadness and helplessness creeps in around the edges, but the anger is easy. The hard parts are how to help my children. Now that they now that they know this is an option, how will that affect them as teenagers when their brains are awash with hormones? The hard parts are my marriage. How do I enjoy my anniversary every year with this reminder? The hard parts are my community outreach. How do we have our large ceremonies without being marred by this? How do I maintain my work slash life slash family slash spirituality balance? And beyond all of that, because it can't get lost, how do I mourn my friend? I respect that she was not neurotypical. I respect that she did the best she could, but what? I feel helpless. I feel guilt like I should have known. How do I accept my anger towards her to move on to a place of acceptance and grieving? How do I give her grace that she unwittingly acted selfishly? I would greatly appreciate your feedback. Phoenix. Yeah. <clears throat> sorry, I was a little uh, teary-eyed during that. It's hard to read. Uh, it's hard to hear. I'm really, really sorry about that. I, I want to say, first off, it sounds that you are absolutely in touch with your feelings, which is um, hard to do and very important that you recognize the anger. A lot of people feel guilty for feeling anger when someone uh, dies by suicide, but it is a natural reaction and that is something that you are embracing. Um, it's horrible. And for those people who've not ever had to deal with uh, something like that, just so you know, and then yes, why the body's laying out there, um, even what could be suicide is always treated like a crime scene. So a uh, neighbor of ours, uh, he was very old and he had a heart attack and died very peacefully, but it was outside on our front door. And I learned the hard way, like, yeah, you just can't leave the house for a while because they have to investigate everything. So that's that's something that is really tough to deal with when some when there's a death, let alone in your community in front of the children. Um, these kids are at an age where they're learning adult things. And I, I think that the best way to deal with that first off is exactly what you're doing, communicating. Um, I don't feel that they're going to see that and be like, oh, I want to try that. I think that it's a wonderful way to talk about depression and talk about um, feelings. And, you know, a lot of people try to shield the world from their children. But I think it is important that when they do see something like this, that you're just honest with them and you're dealing with it teaches them how to deal with things going forward in their lives that they're going to need the tools for. So this is it sounds like you are doing a really good job of just being in control of it and honest. Now let's, I mean, before we get to you and your feelings, Sally, did you want to touch on anything? Yeah, I think, um, 
I think that, you know, you have a lot of questions about how to deal with this with respect to like your community and yourself and your anniversary and your Beltane celebration. And those are all really good questions to ask. I think that you don't have to answer them by yourself. I think that you and the other adults can figure out the answers to those questions um, and figure out how to deal moving forward. Um, And you don't have to decide all that right now, I think, especially because in like the immediate wake of a tragedy, it's just really hard to like think clearly. So I think that'll come. But I think that, um, you know, there are a lot of people, professionals who spend a lot of time helping people process grief and helping children process grief and helping children process grief around suicide. Um, And Mm. I think that there, there are a lot of resources out there for figuring out ways that are like developmentally appropriate to talk about death and to talk about suicide and to talk about mental health with your kids. And, um, and I think that those resources will probably be really helpful because I think that a major thing when kids like experience a tragedy and also when the parents or guardians or caretakers of kids are going through a tragedy is for those kids to have access to resources that can help them. Um, And I mean, professional resources like therapy and grief counselors and group therapy and, you know, buy the books, like read them and figure it out. Like, I think, um, I think this is like not something that you should intuitively know how to do. And I don't think this is the kind of thing where if you think about it hard enough, you'll come up with like the right way to talk to them. I think that like this is something that you can rely on like the professionals and the scholarship and stuff to to kind of help you figure this out. Because part of what you need to do, I think, is like help them help the kids like deal with this. And also um, I think that like sometimes parents my observation of parents sometimes is that they can either focus on helping their kid or they can focus on helping themselves, but they sort of can't do both um, Mm. at the same time. And I think it's like really important that you're not just focused on helping your kids through this, but also helping yourself through this, which it sounds like you are focused on. You asked about it, but I think that is also one of the best things you can do for your kids is to be like handling this and getting through it in, um, as sort of informed and proactive a way as possible. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what I got for the first part. Yeah. Um, as far as how do you, you know, enjoy your anniversary? How is the community not marred by these, uh, the Beltane, the, the celebrations? Um, it's Beltane, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, it's, it, all of this is going to take time. And, um, you know, Things will get easier over time, but there's really nothing you can do to immediately make it better but start processing. Um, people have dealt with death and sort of anniversaries or around events in different ways. And there's ways in which going forward, once you have, you know, dealt with this, because you please be kind to yourself and, and understand it's going to take a while, make it something that is, you know, either recognized as part of something that you celebrate, which is. Um, your friend or not or choosing something else or another place to go or another date you know that's up to you but that I can't you cannot possibly figure that out right now nor should you there's there's ways to honor people's lives and there's also ways to continue to celebrate so you know celebrations even that remind you of things but for right now I think what Sally said it is so important that either maybe you go to a counselor or can bring in like someone who can help you run group therapy with 
with the group that that's to say that um you are all going to um have a lot of grief and feelings and uh as far as how do I accept my anger and move to a, a place of acceptance and grieving it'll happen in time you know everyone has different feelings after something like this anger is absolutely very common mm-hmm. and it really ugh, you know it's easier said than done but it'll take time but if you think of it this way it takes a lot of pressure off yourself to make any decisions right now so take that off your plate look at today look at tomorrow um lovely love the people around you give them support but support yourself it'll come to you eventually it mm-hmm. will come mm-hmm. you're you're being given a lot and every the community will figure out what to do to move forward and you will do it together but it's going to take time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think it's one of those things that over time, as you sort of move through the your grief and your anger, um, something will like a solution will like present itself or you'll come up with some things to like try out and, and you'll and you'll figure it out, especially because it sounds like you have a really strong community yeah. and you guys will help each other through it and figure it out together. But um, Phoenix, we're really sorry for your loss yeah. and um, we'll be thinking about you. Yes. Thank you for this. It was. um Yeah. It's, okay, so let's... Um, do we have time? We don't. No. No, you have to go. Yeah, I have to go, you guys. So we're not going to do a third letter. Okay. But... We need letters. But we need letters. Yes. So write to us. So, um, yeah, can I just go ahead and do yeah. the... Because you have the song of the week. I sure do. <gasps> oh, I'm so excited. Um, So listen, tweet at us at Struggle Bus Pod. Email us with a question or to join the Facebook group, strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com. Instagram.com slash the Struggle Bus Pod. You can ha- use the hashtag StrugglePodBuds420 po- <laughs> struggle to find a struggle buddy. Tweet at Sally T. Tweet at me at SBK Heller. Um, join the Facebook group. Become a member. Struggle buspodcast.com click on the link to gumroad for as little as five dollars a month we give you monthly bonus episodes we talk about whatever you want and we have eight up there Mm -hmm. eight excellent episodes i might add very good episodes Mm -hmm. so yeah um sally yes song of the week okay the song of the week i'm very excited to say is cranes in the sky by solange and it's um a beautiful song and i it's like about trying to distract yourself from pain and sadness and uh, uh it's just like a perfect song and actually you should also listen to the episode of song exploder um from january where solange like takes it apart and explains like how she wrote it and what it's about but uh it's beautiful and it's like mellow but then it kind of builds and uh get into it yeah and we have to talk about your buffy thing at some point oh yeah I, I'm, I'm listening today I didn't get oh, a cool, chance. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh any hoodle uh hey listen thanks so much for listening. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. Bye. Bye. I tried to drink it away. I tried to put one in the air. I tried to dance it away. I tried to change it with my hair. I am my credit card below. Thought a new dress would make